Hey, sexy babies, welcome back to another episode of the Creative Imbalance Podcast. Really excited to share this one with you. Today we have a special guest all the way from the UK. Her name is Sasha Arms. She is a writer for a book called Carl Goes. And Carl Goes is kind of like this travel guide for entrepreneurs and creatives and just people who are generally curious about cool spots. And she ended up stopping by Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio, with her husband, Robert King. And they were just kind of checking it out. And uh, as I found out they were coming here, I thought it would be a great idea to get them in the booth and kind of like pick their brain about all the interesting stuff they've been up to. She also works for a website version, kind of coincides with the book called Citizen Carl. You guys can check that out. If you're listening to this and on a computer right now... Just type it in, citizencarl.com, and in another browser, see what it's all about. It's pretty badass. And what I love about this episode is just hearing about their perspectives on different things, like going through all these different experiences, traveling. They have a mix of both beauty and scary, from being able to check out all these like lovely places to just living in the middle of the wildlife in South Africa sleeping in trees or going to Istanbul like right after some terrorist attacks and and if you're a person who's kind of like me who's becomes a bit of a homebody to their city or their town it's always nice to have this reminder that there's a lot of different experiences going on outside of the box we live in if you happen to listen to our last episode with uh Taryn Chatta during that episode <laughs> I was about to close out the show, and then uh, something just came up in conversation, and we continued for another hour, and this is the exact same experience, and what's cool, and what I've noticed about uh, this show is every time I get a guest in, I don't know, first part of the interview, just because I'm not super buddy-buddy with them yet, I talk about their art and their craft or whatever, and then right around the hour is the sweet spot when you warm up to a person. You finally get to know their personality. And in this episode, the same thing happened with the last episode almost. But um, in this one, I actually shut it off and we closed it out. And then uh, we sat in the studio and we just kept talking. Sasha and Robert have this incredible vibe to them. Very warm. It's very nice to just shoot the shit with them. And uh, and when the recording was off, me and Robert started going like really deep about dreams, DMT, telling him about the sleep paralysis shit that I've been <laughs> having throughout my life. Yeah, and right in the middle of that cluster, we <laughs> I decided to hit the record button again. And we went for like another 40 minutes, so... Beginning half of this episode, you're going to learn about Citizen Carl. You're going to learn about like their travel life. And then the second half, we just go straight to space. Another reminder, we're on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher now. Feel free to add that show on any of those platforms if that's the easiest way for you to listen to. And like always, we're on the SoundCloud and our home, girthradio.com. And that's all I gotta say for an intro, so let's fucking rock.
from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio. Yeah, so before we get into this conversation, uh, can you guys just say who you are and uh, what you do? Yep, so my name is Sasha Arms. Um, I'm a travel writer, so I am also the editor of Cargo's Travel Guides. So they're print books for people who are supposedly creative entrepreneurs or generally curious about visiting places we go to. Mm-hmm. And yourself? <clears throat> uh, my name's Robert King, and I am the husband of Sasha Arms. It's our anniversary today, isn't it? It's our yeah, one-year wedding anniversary. Is it? Oh my god! And you're spending it with me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! Like, I need only, to get like a round of shots. I didn't know that. You're the only guy you could find, we could find. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. I'm husband and general hanger on, and you know, an enjoyer of all of the travel and the food and everything else. Sasha does all the work and all the writing, and I just do the occasional photograph and stuff. So I'm just companion too, really. Wow, well, welcome to Canada, guys. Happy anniversary. Thank you. I, I can't believe I didn't know that. I was talking to you guys for like an hour there prior, but uh, yeah, that's amazing. Congrats. And uh, yeah, so you guys are down, like you're doing uh, some research, Sasha? Or? Yeah, well, actually, I'm here on commission, so um, I'm doing a few articles for Citizen Carl, which is the blog for Carl Goes. So we have print books, but we also do a blog, and we kind of go to cool places other than the destinations we print books to. Yeah. Kind of seek out the cool people, hence why we're here. Yeah, and I, I checked a little bit out, and it's like just kind of like a travel guide for creative entrepreneurs type thing. Yeah, that's what we say. So it's basically people who uh, maybe work in creative industries, um, people who are in startups, um, so entrepreneurs trying to start something up. We see more and more these days that people work and travel so um, kind of looking at the places that people kind of like to spend time but maybe they need to do a bit of work as well as kind of pleasure so that's the kind of places we're looking for so okay that's really cool and how did you find the Pacific Junction Hotel in Girth Radio I found it on Google Really? Did you just uh, type in Toronto <laughs> creativity? No, or? I can't remember exactly. I do a lot of research before I travel pl- to places because generally I'm in a place for a short amount of time. So I need to have a bit of planning. I like to be a bit spontaneous as well, but a bit of planning. And I was looking for kind of cool creative places or I don't know, like bloggers I look at a lot. So maybe I found this place through bloggers who recommend kind of local neighborhood places. So Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's really, really cool and super random, man. Probably, yeah. <laughs> that's That sounds like such a crazy, awesome gig. So I've seen like some of the title of the books and it just says all over the place from like Amsterdam to like, who knows, like everywhere. Like, and like, so how did you become part of like that collective there? So I was actually approached, I've been uh, freelance travel writing for a number of years, like I guess more than 10 years or so, and um, I was, I have a website and um, there was a guy in Amsterdam basically, or in in the Netherlands, uh, also called Sasha, but he's a man, um, looking for a native English writer who kind of worked in the travel field, he wanted to start up this new thing called Cold Goes, and um, he basically approached me saying I'm looking for a writer to, to do some new books and um, we kind of collaborated. I guess it sounded quite cool that Sasha and Sasha would collaborate as well. Yeah, yeah. And um, 
yeah it kind of went from there to be honest so that was a couple of years ago um we started on berlin now we've done amsterdam london um the german city of Kassel. the book has just come out um and two more books are coming out this year so wow wow that seems like such an amazing gig and your husband gets to travel around the world with you as well and it's really difficult <laughs> as he has like double fisting two drinks right? <laughs> you know i i just yeah i i don't really do anything do i i'm just sort of the the general buffoon who goes along and eats the food and maybe gives the odd comment to well, you and you might write it down if it's relevant and if it's not then you just laugh at me and that, that's true to some extent <laughs> but also it's more realistic that you travel with another person I mm. think as well so I mean I, I usually I do travel often alone as well but it is realistic that usually people do travel with a companion or yeah a definitely or it's, it's got to make it like and... easier too and like especially if you're going on these missions too it's like there's a potential you might not see them in a while so like it's cool that you guys can go together and like yeah like you say as well like realistically you're married and you want to spend time together you have limited holiday so sometimes it's it's the way things are i work a bit as well but i'm you know i'm happy with my work so Mm -hmm. there is a slight there's a slight strength in numbers thing as well isn't there sometimes on some of the places we've been to it's a bit better to i feel better having accompanied you into some places I remember the first time we went to South Africa I wasn't particularly happy about it because I thought that it had a reputation for not being a particularly safe country Mm -hmm. however when I went along there actually I was kind of proven wrong oh yeah and I still think I'm I'm very lucky to go along but also I'm quite happy to be another pair of eyes just to kind of watch over her and make sure she's okay and stuff because some of the places we've been to not dodgy or anything but they're um, yeah, it's just good to have another person present. Yeah, another perspective as well. I mean, yeah. you know, everyone has a different perspective and a place they're in. So my perspective is far from the only one, anyway, in terms of what I end up writing. So I think that's also useful. So. Mm. Mm-hmm, definitely. And uh, how was like uh, the South Africa experience? Like, how did it change your perspective? Like, wow, the- you- Yeah, I mean, it's just an incredible place. It's like nowhere else. Um. My best friend lived in Cape Town for a while, so that's how I was first introduced to it. And as a city, it's quite European, so it's kind of, it's Africa meets Europe, which is amazing in itself. And the commute to work is a drive along the coast, and you might see whales, like, just off the coastline. And, you know, there's this amazing wildlife, but also the city life and you know that it's very outdoorsy there's beaches you know people live out outside every weekend or went on their time off and that's amazing but we also spent time further out um in we i mean i suppose an amazing experience was when we were um staying in a place called enterbeni which is two hours outside of johannesburg and it's a place where they train people to become safari guides oh wow so you're right at the heart of the action of people you know becoming these people who show tourists or anyone else who's interested the wildlife and we were with this amazingly talented guy called lee gutteridge um tons of experience i mean one of the top people in the field in in the world and um just crazy we would be 
miles away from somewhere and he'd his ears would prick up and he'd say right we need we're going to drive in that direction for like <laughs> like he's an animal eh? yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we're going to see these lions that i think oh, they've wow. just got to kill um so we're going to go and see them and we'll be there in about yeah 10 minutes or so and sure enough you'd be there lions and there'd be lions there and, you know yeah. and so were you guys like in a truck or were yeah. you out in the open we were in an open four four by four truck with a rifle on the front and that was it there was you were sitting 10 yards away from a lion which yeah. was eating a dead wildebeest carcass with it with the rest of its lion pride and they just sit there and eat and you watch them and they watch you and as far as it goes i mean if, if anything happens then they've got the rifle to protect you but that's it there's no there's no real barriers or yeah there's nothing to stop them from having a go at you if they want to but they they kind of not like that they see the shape so, of the truck yeah they see the shape of the truck and they don't really see you as and such. people like lee are so in touch with the nature nature and what they're thinking almost mm. and oh, i mean yeah. the big thing they say is don't stand up or something because the, the shape that the lion is looking at changes and they may you know, oh that's interesting i never thought about yeah. that like where they yeah. just look at the shape of the yeah. vehicle yeah. i'm like always thinking oh they they know your window is open this is me like thinking of how paranoid i'd be <laughs> like they're gonna snatch you or jump in the window and yeah. try to get you but. i mean this guy was he was something else though he was really he was he was almost addicted to learning about the bush and so when you when he would take you out on a tour he could tell you everything about the soil type the grass types the the weather uh, he could tell you about all the animals, the insects, the birds. I think he was one of very few pe- white people in Africa who completed this uh, bird song course, okay. where he could imitate all the different types of birds. And the black trackers said, "Yeah, this guy's this guy can do it." And we sat out in the bush one day, and I'll never forget. And he said, "We were looking at all these birds flying around this particular plant," and he said, "These birds." hate this particular type of bird and I'm going to imitate its its song I'm going to imitate its bird call and you'll see in about 10 seconds they're going to fly over in this formation and they're going to check this area to see if the bird's around and he wow. did it and they and they did exactly what he said <laughs> to pass his test as well he had to imitate the call of like 580 out of 600 birds or something yeah. I mean, oh my god that's serious that's like a whole like culture I didn't know about like just yeah. this bird calling like yeah. um, like karate master like black belt yeah. bird caller yeah it's it scary how much the dude knew and that was when I was kind of near the beginning wasn't it with the sweet 101 stuff which is the thing that Sasha first started writing articles on when I knew her Uh, because we've been together for about 8 years and we went to this you asked me to come along to this show up in London this travel show and he's standing there in all of his bush gear with his bush hat and his shorts and stuff look completely out of place in the middle of London <laughs> and then what a sh- short while later about got, yeah, yeah, a few months him, later and then we were there on his we're in the middle of like, the bush in, yeah. in Africa in the Drakensberg Mountains yeah and he had almost like a I don't know if you've seen Robin Hood Prince of Thieves yeah yeah there's a bit in that where they've got like tr- they make tree houses with like bridges and stuff and they live up in the trees yeah yeah i remember he that he had that 
So, <laughs> so where you would train, where he would train these uh, these rangers, these these trainee uh, rangers, they would live up in these little uh, huts in the trees, probably about 10, 15 feet off the ground, and it was all linked together by wooden bridges. Wow! And that's where we slept the first night. You you park up your car, you get your stuff, you put it in the hut, and we were there, um, and we got woke up about five in the morning by a lion, which is about 10 feet below us. That's an experience. (laughs) When we arrived at that place, Lee told us, oh, we had one guy staying with us once and uh, he went out to his car after dark in the car park and basically lions surrounded him. (gasps) He spent his whole night in his car. Like a lion on the But he was okay at the end, right? (laughs) He was just in the car. He was fine. He was making it real, like, he said, we've got no fences around where we're staying, yeah. just yeah. be aware of that, and this happened one time, literally, to a guy there were no, who spent there were his no night fences. in his car. There, were, there was yeah. nothing to protect yeah. us, was there, and, and that was what was so amazing, was that it was kind of a real immersive experience, and for the, the people who we met, who were trainees under his tutelage, were um, just normal people, from some of them from the UK, and they just wanted a complete career change, I think one of them I spoke to was from Birmingham in the UK, and she was an IT consultant and she'd just given it all up and gone there with her husband and they were training to become safari guides you know rangers just i need a change let's do this yeah and i couldn't even imagine like the experience like you guys having and then coming back home after something like that just everything in perspective about just the way Mm. you live like in a town or city or in Mm. compared to like you pretty much were hanging out with like peter pan and the lost boys on their little wooden bridges for a bit yeah yeah Uh, (laughs) certainly when we got back to the uk for me the it made the wildlife seem a lot tamer because like <laughs> dealing with lions and we never saw a leopard did we that was the one they're like ghosts in the in the bush and there was one point when i think he said oh yeah there's a leopard around but they're kind of it's it's following us we're not following it it's watching us <laughs> that's and that's scary. that's scary um and there was another point where we found a herd of elephant wasn't there and he he we watched him track this herd of elephant and i'm just looking at the ground like i have no idea what i'm looking at and he's like yeah it's this many some of them are this old some of them are that old they're going this direction and we followed and we, we tracked them on foot and he's looking at things like oh there's a bit of rock here and there's just a bit of moss that's come off yeah so they've gone in this direction and yeah oh one has dropped this bit of like twig that it was eating so we can see that, it, that they've been eating on the way and yeah, yeah I mean it's it just was crazy yeah. and then you go back to London you know where we live and you're like I don't know it's, it's a just a complete switch it's a different yeah. like thought process it's just yeah. a complete switch isn't it and most people I mean the guy was just hyper observant and he knew everything about the whole environment and then you go back to London and there's people just getting on the trained to commute to work and they're kind of trapped in their little box at work and then they yeah. come back and that's that's it and so I could kind of completely understand why the some of those people just dropped everything to go and learn with him apparently he was very exacting but real perfectionist but he was a quite inspiring person actually oh, wasn't so he inspiring, yeah. I would say that was one of my top experiences yeah. when yeah, traveling sure. um, there were a number of incredible experiences in South Africa. And so that was, I, I said at the beginning, I was quite worried about Sasha going to South Africa. And so the second time mm-hmm. I went along with her and I was completely wrong yeah. about the whole thing. And you just, sometimes it's about 
uh, yeah, not having I, these preconceived notions and just getting out there and seeing yeah, what it's and like. you probably th- once you're there too, you think way less about the danger and more about mm. like what you're getting out of being in this environment compared to mm. where you're from and everything. Mm. I think it far outweighs it. I mean, I guess it's my job, but you know yeah. that's how I feel. But for me, every time, you know. Mm. It's living, you know, being somewhere else and meeting new people and, you know, I suppose you don't, you lead an ordinary life in the city doing your ordinary office job and you have ordinary stories and you do stuff like this and, you know, look what you get out of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, like, very interested in how, like, you got to a place where you are now being able to travel and kind of write and report like have you always been like a curious person growing up and like how did you like lead into this as a profession yeah i mean i think i i actually feel that there's a certain part of it that's ingrained i don't know there's this whole kind of nature nurture thing but um i i'm dual nationality i'm half british half half american um and I think, I know my father was a curious traveller, and he still is, and um, I think there's something you get from that, from your genes somehow. I think my first flight was when I was six weeks old, going from the UK to the US, and I think there's something that sticks with you somehow in that. But um, my first, I suppose, real travel experience was at 17 years old. Um, I went to Brazil with a group of people. It was through an organisation, but they basically almost teach you how to travel in a way so you're organizing transport for 20 people you're organizing accommodation you're you're doing all this stuff and um we did amazing things you know we from um sleeping in the Pantanal region in Brazil and we were just sleeping in hammocks and you could see like the Cayman eyes 20 meters away from you and you're just sleeping in your hammock and you know and then we went to a retreat for um boys who used to be on the street and we kind of you know built a tree house for them and you have all these amazing experiences so I suppose at 17 years old I had that experience and I thought this is living you know I mean I feel alive doing this yeah I did the whole university thing um but and then my first job out of university was for a magazine so I think I really applied there the the mix of travel and writing and um you know I mean it's it's not easy I know it's a dream job the travel writer thing um but it's it's a lot of plugging away finding opportunities kind of seeing Mm -hmm. where you can kind of get your break I suppose and I um I got a piece published in um, by Lonely Planet um in one of their books and um I suppose it showed me that it's possible to do this and you kind of keep finding opportunities in magazines you know there's a lot of need for travel content people you know most people enjoy traveling whether it's just down the road from where they live or further abroad so um finding those opportunities and um yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of cool, too. You just mentioned something, like, uh, prior to this interview, like, people are going to hear this a week after my last episode, but this is kind of, like, back-to-back with the comic book writer, uh, Taryn, was in here, and uh, you mentioned, like, kind of, like, the work ethic that people don't really see, like, you, yeah. you mentioned, like, oh, it's, like, a travel, like 
journalists or whatever people just see your finished product but they never like really understand like the opportunities you have to gun for and like all the little mini steps to actually like make these things happen and Mm -hmm. like you said too even earlier like before we turned on the microphones uh you came here just for research like this is might not like be like a final thing or whatever but it's like there's so many different layers and work ethic where somebody who doesn't walk in your shoes just might see it as like oh it's just this glamorous like dream job yeah where there's moments where it it probably feels like that but then there's they don't see the layers of dedication you probably have to put in to become somebody in that position well like you just like people think you just sort of fell into it or, yeah wow you're so lucky or whatever and it's I got mean, you get that a lot oh, like somebody came up to you on the street yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. here's yeah. a plane ticket in a notebook <laughs> go yeah. nuts yeah. type of thing yeah, yeah. um I think a couple of things you missed out were you travelled to the States to see your dad on your own when you were 13. And you, Sasha was doing that for a long time. And I don't know anybody who's from... I mean, a flight from the UK to the States is no small thing, I think. And yeah, over the ocean. Doing that, doing that on her own. And then, um, and then you worked in El Salvador, didn't you? And I think that was quite a big... Uh, that changed things, didn't it, really, in terms of sort of your media background as well it wasn't it wasn't just sort of the online thing that you yeah. got into it was, mm. there was a lot of things that you did I mean really. you take opportunities where they are so I, I got this work published in the Lonely Planet and then I took a job in actually it was in Honduras I was based in Honduras and um, working for a newspaper and reporting wow. for them and again I think that shows you you can be travelling passing through a place or you can work in a place and then get sent to these really random jobs for a newspaper and you see a whole other mm-hmm. side to a, yeah. a place so I guess it all builds up into a career, a career at some point. Um, yeah, that's yeah. That's what happened. <laughs> and that's cool for you to see like those opportunities too because I'm sure like some people could get like a couple of, like set in those positions and it'd be like right over their heads and be like oh I'm on vacation or whatever but you kind of like did work around it and everything yeah. and I'm sure that gives you the next job and the next job and the next job and yeah and you know I think actually and, and you speak to other travel writers and they'll say the same that it comes down to a lot of the same work ethic that you would have if you're setting up your own business you have to be reliable you have to be professional you have to do what you say you're going to do mm-hmm. if you can do that and apply it to travel obviously it's fantastic way to live your life but you have to apply those things otherwise no one wants to work with you and essentially you work for yourself when you do this so you have to do those same things so yeah definitely is there any dream destination that you want to go and report on that you haven't yet um i I think everything's a moment in time to be honest i'm really Mm -hmm. happy with the place i get sent to next or the destination we decide to write a book on um and i think if you asked over time where's your favorite place to go i'm sure it would change probably every few months yeah definitely I guess the area I haven't spent much time is in is Asia, um, and obviously that's a huge region that you could just spend months and months in. So I would love to go over there, but I think you need a decent amount of time. Yeah, definitely. There. There's so many like little pockets over um, there and different cultures within <laughs> Asia. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But do you know, even doing this work with Carl Goes, I mean, I'm discovering European cities that are just two, three hours flight away from where I am in London, and places I would never have heard of before, never thought to go and 
you end up there I interview people I speak to people and they're just great places and it's actually really nice to go to places closer to home and to get to know them really well rather than just pass through yeah it's it's so interesting like uh it's cool to pick your brain about this too too because like I do like such a different kind of journalism stuff where I'm more like just talking to like little rebels and artists and stuff like that and uh it's I can't even imagine like the experiences like you get just from going to some place that is just so diverse than what you're used to and are you getting used to jumping into all these random places is, is do you find comfort in that or I think you get I don't know you get used to jumping in I suppose I go when I go somewhere I have a purpose yes so um, I usually have a bit of an idea of a few people I'm going to meet a few places I definitely need to go to and so that's always a good start off point to then be more spontaneous and see what happens after that so I think I definitely get used to landing somewhere getting straight into it um which is is a nice thing to do but I don't think it's ever normal wherever you are when it's somewhere new I don't think it's ever normal because you know that's the beauty of travel as well isn't it that it's not normal and it's new and it's exciting and inspiring yeah definitely i find like i get a lot of inspiration from like stepping out of my comfort zone and it sounds like something like that you guys are doing <laughs> like mm. on a monthly basis now or mm. how however uh often you guys travel and i think that's super fucking cool um i mean it's interesting because we've been back what was it do you remember we went to turkey and we went back to Bodrum the second time. And I was just thinking what you said about places being a snapshot in time. When you go somewhere for the very first time, it's very uh, learning about the, the layout of the place, the culture of the place. Um, you, do, you do go away with like a rose-tinted view of somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then when you go back there the second time, it was very, very different for us, wasn't it? Because it was like, just didn't have that in, you know initial get-to-meet-you kind of romance to it that was just my impression i don't know what you think about that you know and so um we kind of said yeah we're not gonna we're not gonna go back there again and do that again but i think that it it really depends on the place as well doesn't it how how well you've explored it how well you know particular places but you it's definitely like a a snapshot in time not only for the place itself but also for you um we went to istanbul last year and that's an amazing city. It's a huge city. Um, London's something like 10 million people, and Istanbul is 13 million people. It's one of the busiest cities I've ever seen in my life. But unfortunately, because of what's going on in the world at the moment, it had a real edginess to it. Um, there was all the stuff going on with ISIS and all the yeah. rest of it, all that stuff. And I'm sure that, that if, if we went back there... If we if we go there once it's all over and done with, it will be you'll have a completely different feel to it. And so perhaps due to that particular point in time, maybe the trip we had didn't quite do it justice. But it's an amazing place. It was just unfortunate that it was slightly edgy, shall we say? Yeah, shooting going on by scary times and yeah. yeah. There were a fair few near misses where we'd just yeah. been in an area and there was an attack. Or... There was a shooting, wasn't wow. there, the first night? There was yeah. like five tourists shot. Oh, my God. The early hours of the morning when we'd arrived and it was just up the road from us. 
and then there was a, a thing there was a kidnapping that one of the guys who we met at the airport witnessed and then just after that one of the key areas the um, near the Blue Mosque which is a huge tourist area mm-hmm. uh, I think it was a couple of months later there was a bombing and a load of German tourists and I think some British Holy ones as well were killed shit. and so you know things like that do affect you and I'm sure that in that area I'm sure we, we went to the Blue Mosque and I think I was stopped by the Turkish secret police mm-hmm. and they were asking me who are you what are you doing here and all this type of thing yeah. and I don't know why they picked me out maybe they're just picking random people out but it certainly it definitely left a a bad taste in your mouth you know because I think that particular time they're only doing their job they're only doing what they had to do but it, it kind of affected the way that you see the city slightly oh definitely stuff, you know so it's different different uh, times certainly have different effects on in, on your overall trip yeah just, I can't even imagine like landing there and then hearing all this news oh there's a kidnapping shooting like tourists dead like how does that feel do you, do you immediately just want to go home right away or I mean I I don't think so I've I've lived in sort of some edgy places as well <laughs> I lived in Tegucigalpa in Honduras for a while and that's that's got a pretty bad reputation as well and I think but it definitely makes you more aware of of what you're doing and I think when you walk out your front door you feel a lot more on edge and you know you have to be a lot more careful and vigilant and those sorts of things but mm-hmm. you know people still live in these places day in day out I mean mm. I think there's also yeah. a sense of having to get on with things so. yeah definitely are you also thinking about your job too it's like okay i've sent here to capture something and i need to complete this mission mm-hmm. yeah they asked I, you I to go back so. do you remember they asked you to go back after yeah, all the bombings yeah. and stuff so i mean no, I obviously yeah. the the incidents had somewhat tarnished the reputation of istanbul and so they were key to get as many writers in and to try and you know bring it back up and they offered you a another one another gig to go back there didn't they and yeah no and i chose i chose not to go that time so i suppose it does it it does definitely change your mind for future trips because you, you could go anywhere i suppose and you wouldn't necessarily always put yourself in, yeah. in more danger. Yeah, <laughs> it's like dodged thinking, one so. bullet, literally, and now I'm I'm safe. So uh, yeah. yeah, I already experienced that. Yeah, I think once you're there, you're there, aren't you? But if yeah. you've got a choice, yeah, it's exactly. it's really up to you what you want to do. So yeah, yeah, Turkey is an edgy place, or at least I thought it was at the time, and I kind of I really wanted to go there because the history is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's it's an absolutely astonishingly historic place. It's an it's an enormous place as well. Um, people are very friendly, but unfortunately they're going through some bad times at the moment. So I think, yeah, I personally wouldn't want to go back there. Maybe wait it out a bit. Yeah, maybe quite. visit the mean streets of Toronto. You know, <laughs> <laughs> was it when you guys were renting a car or something? Somebody said, "Oh, look out for the thugs here." <laughs> Do you know where they've been? <laughs> like, <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> he was well-meaning. He's well-meaning. Yeah. But apparently, it's uh, Toronto. If you're or to- no, Toronto, 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 Toronto. No. Yeah, how do you say it? If you're, I say if- Toronto. Um, some people just. I usually say it or hear it like uh, heard as like humor. Somebody say Toronto, right. but that's like yeah. kind of American. Yeah, they're making fun of a bit. We were told like the second T means you're tourist, so you don't pronounce the second T. In oh, Toronto. really? Apparently. I, I say Toronto. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or actually, like a lot of people say it fast too, and it sounds like Toronto. Mm. Yeah. 
So yeah. you could be right with the second tee. I just I just never noticed it until right now. Yeah, we were on the we were on the tour bus today, which is a great way to just get the an overall flavor of a city and the history and get an idea of where do you want to visit, where do you want to come back to. Um, and that was one of the little factoids that we picked up along the way. Hmm. Um, they were quite scathing about anyone who would say Toronto. Oh wow! We're a bit wary now, but I have noticed ever since that that a lot of people do say Toronto. So mm. now, now I'm noticing it. <laughs> it's like just something I don't think about. But yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, where was it we went to in Florida with the big park? The park we went to that had all the different um, world sort of bits of the world. Epcot Center. Yes. Yeah, it's a huge park in uh, Florida, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's kind of up there with Disneyland, isn't it? It's yeah, really, I think really it's famous. like attached to it or something, or around there, or yeah, like Universal Orlando. Studios. Type thing, and yeah. I think we visited the the Canada section, didn't we? And we checked it out. It's was hilarious. It just a bunch of beavers and well, they, they had they had like a big town hall that was very similar to like the brickwork and stuff that we saw on the on the the guide today. But they had this like three sixty kind of um, it's like a 360 cinema, didn't they? Where they had like an exposition on it, and the the landscape is beautiful. It's absolutely breathtaking. So different from the UK. And by the way, in the UK, the Epcot version of the UK was a village pub with a post office. Oh God! It's just like <laughs> when you see something like that, do you just think that's fucking racist? It's, or? <laughs> it's interesting to see what the Americans take on, you know. The UK yeah. was. It was just like some little. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they really uh, smash us in South Park, but I, I tend to enjoy it. Like all the Canadians just have like flappy heads, and they always say "buddy" at the end of sentences. So, yeah, which yeah. we do say a lot, but whatever. <laughs> um, talking about uh, South Park, you a Primus fan? Ah, uh, yes, I am. Well, and they did the intro as well. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah. I was just at that link. I'm trying to get Sasha into Primus. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> Primus might take a, a couple listens to get into. It's very weird, and uh, if you like bass playing, it's amazing. It's like the lead guitar is the bass, <laughs> pretty much. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had no idea you were trying to get me into that. So yeah, just oh, kind of like sneak it in, like you're sleeping, and he just puts That's a Primus right. That's record. That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jerry was a race car driver. That's the one, yeah. I love that song. Love that, song. <laughs> that would wake me the fuck up, though, yeah. if somebody tried to subliminally. Like, <laughs> Well, that's that's what I'm doing. So, like, um, obviously, we hit it off because you've got a Mastodon T-shirt on. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, <laughs> I've been subtly over the years just trying to play little bits of heavy metal that you might, Sasha might like. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got sort of subtly, and every so often I'll find her whistling like the guitar line to you know. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, stuff maybe. Like that. But now, now she knows that you're yeah, what you're doing. <laughs> but yeah. it, it seems to be working if she's like whistling to Yeah, actually, uh, my girlfriend, she's not into metal. Whatever, mm. she grew up like kind of like listening to like country stuff and pop but uh i'd always like listen to metal with my friends too but i wouldn't like almost probably like you're around her not just like blasting it in her ear the whole fucking day yeah but like i just have like such a love for it and she'd hear bits and pieces and she's she'd hear like these stories of us going to these shows and it's just like an animalistic mess of people just like rocking out and smashing each other and even though there's like some violence to it it's like it always sounded like 
fun and funny to her, which it yeah. is kind of. Yeah. So she's like, oh, I always wanted to go to a metal show. Yeah. And just down the street, there's a place called the Opera House, and like mm. all the bigger bands come through, like mm. everybody from like Hapery, uh, Arch Enemy, like yeah. Slayer was there. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so one night it was just hate breed and devil driver. I'm like, if I'm gonna take her to a metal show, she's going to like a real. She's not yeah. gonna see like a yeah. pop like one. Yeah. She's like, she needs to see the real thing. Yeah. So we went to that show and like, like I thought we were like safe. I'm like, okay, we're not gonna go by a mosh pit or whatever, but we're gonna get close enough so she can see it or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And like the whole like three hours, she was just laughing her ass off. She's yeah. like, she, she had like the best time like people watching. She's yeah. like, I've never fucking seen anything like this in my life because. Yeah. They're like, they're having fun, but they're like killing each other, and she's just trying to break it down. And there was yeah. there was this time when uh, Sasha came to pick me up from the station from a Meshuggah concert. Oh yeah, that's uh, one of my bands. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and I was missing an item of clothing. <laughs> what was it? A shoe? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd chosen the day to wear white socks, and I had to go all the way through London through the tube and all that stuff like missing a shoe my friend had decided to point out to everybody near us as we were walking out <laughs> this dude's lost his fucking shoe the idiot you know so we walked out and uh, you said that you the reason you picked me up or like a train you know the train comes in and all these people are walking out and she's like yeah. looking for the dickhead with no shoe you know, with white, white sock you know uh, that's a memorable <laughs> show though <laughs> that's how you know it was a good yeah. show <laughs> But if you like that, I've got a um, whistling uh, Gojira, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. French death metal band. Yeah. So, and they're they're one of the the heaviest live bands. Have ever. you seen them? Or yeah, a handful of times. Oh wow. Yeah, um, they're always good on record, but live they do something with their mix that just mm. blasts you. So you get like uh, metal cred, Sasha, and you don't even know for whistling. <laughs> You're like hardcore, and you don't even know. Yes, but thank you. <laughs> anyway, I kind of hijacked it. We went on to metal. So uh, that's all good. This show's like super random, anyway. But <laughs> no, it's it's really cool to like hear your both your perspectives of like just traveling and everything and mm. just the experience you are getting and this is not everybody lives like that you know <laughs> like especially it's cool that you can do it for work and you don't have to like come like crazy out of your pocket to have these experiences as well yeah I mean I always say I'm very lucky and I know that um, it's definitely hard work as well I think to be mm -hmm. honest when it gets to the writing point a lot of the hard work has been done because you know the boring stuff takes up a lot of time the admin and the emails and the you know everything else that, that goes before it but it's it's a super privileged way to yeah yeah to see the world so. yeah so after here do you have any like gigs coming up elsewhere do you have like a schedule planned or are you just going like one spot at a time um i mean immediately after here i'm just going across the border to the u.s to see family um but at the moment i'm working on um another two books this year so i've got a book coming out to leipzig in germany which is um 
It's supposedly the new Berlin of Germany, so it's kind of quite the new Berlin. Place, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Some people call it Leipzig rather than Leipzig. <laughs> hype around the, the new place, so it's like a super creative place. It's a former East German uh, city, so. Um, it's basically after the wall fell a lot of people moved to the west to get better paid jobs and all the rest of it but it means nowadays a lot of the artists have moved in um, a lot of startup companies and it's become kind of quite a cool place to to be and it's quite a cool place to be an artist so yeah that sounds exciting to see that like i never even knew that was happening over there so yeah no i was there about six weeks ago and it's amazing like it's just yeah it's a brilliant place so and again these places a lot of people never hear of and you Mm -hmm. go to and you explore and you interview people and there's great stuff happening so I'd rather go to those places than the big you know known about cities and yeah 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 going on and tell people about it yeah that's yeah that's cool like uh kind of find these hidden gems and you have the ability to share that with in like I feel like we're very similar in a way too. Like I kind of try to do that with artists as well. Like once in a while, I'll get a bigger name in here, but I like finding like somebody that Hidden nobody's heard about, and you're just like, I need to share this with people and like kind of yeah. spread the word. And yeah, yeah, we're very similar like that. Even though yeah. we're doing different kind of journalism, yeah, for sure. It's just amazing. Like you go, there's a lot of abandoned buildings still in Leipzig. So when the wall fell, a lot of people went to richer areas of Germany to get work, and it's still one of the few places in the world where there's more housing than there are people. So of course that means there are bigger spaces. It's cheaper rents. Artists move in, but you walk along along a, a, a road, for example, and it seems like the buildings are abandoned, but they're covered in this amazing graffiti, like proper artwork and and you think it's an abandoned building but then you'll start to hear noises inside and people are living in there and they're just doing their own little creative industries and it's really a place you don't you don't see stuff like that happening in most cities in the world these days do you spaces taken up and businesses kind of taking it over Mm -hmm. everything's all corporate you see the same brands like around here it's like starbucks starbucks every corner and And it's a real anti-corporate place where people are saying well this building is available so i'll be here and i'll do my thing fuck i'm gonna move in (laughs) (laughs) sounds like my kind of place and i just want to thank you guys for sitting down this is your anniversary i feel like a dick keeping you in here and asking you questions but uh so you didn't know till we started are you are you guys like in a rush or anything because no we do how do you guys feel about like a round of shots or something (laughs) uh yeah we could do yeah yeah Yeah. peer pressure (laughs) i'll say it okay (laughs) yeah so before we end the episode and celebrate their anniversary uh anything else you guys want to say like where where can they uh, find your stuff again? A little reminder. I mean, for me personally, I've got a website and it's called sasharams.com, um, and I guess you can see a lot of my work there. But also, I work for Colgos, um, and so you can see our uh, books at colgos.com, and then our blog is at citizencol.com. So I guess the travel range is covered by those three websites. So awesome! Thank you. Like I said in the intro, we thought we were going to end this episode. Right now, we have shut off the recording. We are talking about the spaciest shit. 
We're going to kick it back in after I play a couple minutes of this Gojira song. This is the band uh, me and Robert were talking about. And he subliminally plays and brainwashes Sasha to get her to whistle some of it. Right now I'm playing a tune that's probably really hard to whistle. I want you guys to try it at home. (laughs) And I'm going to let this rock for a couple of minutes and then we're going to get back into the interview. Live from the center of the earth, girth. You know how I said I was going to let them enjoy their anniversary while I lied? We're back for round two. um, We just got in like the biggest spiral of, I'd say, a spiritual conversation, a little bit of psychedelic conversation. And we learned that you kind of studied like hypnosis. Yeah, I did. And uh, before I said, oh my God, we need to fucking turn this on again, hit the record button. Yeah. You were uh, explaining about like your sleepwalking. and Yeah, when I was a child, I, uh, I sleptwalked and my parents had to put gates up and stuff in the house so I didn't fall down the stairs, which is quite a common phenomenon apparently. But um, I would have whole conversations with my parents and I wouldn't be aware of it I wouldn't remember it and they would say yeah you talked about this you talked about that and I was only maybe four five six years old yeah you know and and how we got there was kind of talking about different states of sleep and sleep Mm. paralysis and Mm. stuff like have you guys ever like I kind of before we hit the record I told you about my experience through yes. sleep paralysis. Have you guys ever experienced anything like that? Or 
Um, I think I had an out-of-body experience once where I could see... Because it, it links into something called remote viewing. I don't know if you've ever... I, I never heard it put that way, but... Yeah, where you can, you, th- or you can or you think you can see things where you're not in a position to actually see them. Mm-hmm. So I think I had an out-of-body experience once, again, when I was a child. And there seems to be some reason why that drops off as you age. I don't know what it is, if it's whether your mind is developing, your brain is developing at a certain rate, or there's certain chemicals your brain makes when you're younger or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I, uh, yeah, I felt like I had an out-of-body experience where I could see somewhere that was completely different. I could see, I was sleeping in the upstairs yeah. in my house, and I could see what my dad was doing downstairs. Wow, yeah. And I'm sure that I I felt certain at the time that, that happened, but with all this altered states of consciousness stuff, it's kind of down to perception, isn't it? And it's like, how can you really measure mm-hmm. things like that? Which maybe goes back to your friend who you told about your experience, and, and he just kind of measures the brainwaves and whatever at the sleep. Yeah, uh, more a black and white viewing of it instead of yeah. like really going deep into... I guess there's certain things we just can't measure at the moment. I strongly you know, believe in that yeah, too. A lot of things. And you mentioned like uh, maybe that's something people lose when they get older. And I kind of yeah. mentioned I don't get it as often as before. And yes. maybe it's just because it's something that's not talked about in society and Hmm. i don't know maybe we we train ourselves to lose these little like primal instincts that we might be born with well i think that's something we've talked about before where i think the this is going to sound a little bit out there but i think the the school system Mm -hmm. and the the work system just want to make you into like this good little drone that goes to work on time leaves on time Mm -hmm. does what you're supposed to do no more no less and that's it yeah and in in so inculcating all of those values that make you a good cog in the machine as such uh in shaping you into a cog they have to chip away certain things to make you that shape Mm -hmm. and those might be those might be the sort of mental attributes that you lose as you age yeah you kind of get trained to yes like you said the cut be in that cog machine and keep rotating and and it's it's interesting to see that i mentioned uh earlier when we weren't recording that me trying to learn about like what sleep paralysis is like led me down a path of learning about dmt and ayahuasca Mm. and it seems like these things are almost like shortcuts to enter those states yes where like some people try to naturally do it through meditation but it's becoming more mainstream again like if you go on netflix there's dmt the spirit molecule right there you can watch it you've got joe rogan talking about it you've got there's a guy from uh, london real guy called brian who sasha was going to talk to but it kind of didn't work out um it's becoming more mainstream uh Mm. even the bodybuilder dorian yates talks about his experiences with dmt you know and um, I think it's something that's that's kind of growing, but again, it's because it's an illegal substance in so many countries in the in the Western world that one of the uh, the track we went off on our conversation was you get a lot of Westerners going down to places like Peru to do these ceremonies with the ayahuasca grass, mm-hmm. which is where the um, the DMT kind of that's that's where all that comes in. Um, 
yeah it's something that's becoming more mainstream but i don't see it ever becoming legal <laughs> and uh with the travel work would you guys ever want to experience one of these retreats or i don't know i think it comes down to if we ever did and i'm not saying we would but i think it would come down to research because as we were saying prior you know before the recording recommenced i think that there are a lot of charlatans out there since it's become popular it's yeah. one of the things that happens with the tourism industry is that everyone once there's supply and demand people latch onto it and you could end up rather than getting the real mccoy you might end up with people who just want to take your money and yeah yeah let you get some on guy just kind of thing. making that's, some that's, weird concoction in his bathtub yeah. <laughs> you want you want somebody who knows what they're doing with that type of thing i mean that's a that's a really deep spiritual experience where you're kind of confronting your shadows i suppose mm-hmm. or however it is that you you want to kind of really describe it and you really want someone there who knows who's to kind of guide you through that process and be there for you if you're going through a rough time and it's not from what i've heard it's not a particularly it's not a pleasant experience but it's one that people do because they think it's necessary and they find themselves much changed for the better yeah often the harder things in life can be painful you know but they're worth having because Mm -hmm. because they are painful and there's uh there's like reports of people like going on these retreats and they're addicted to like heroin or something they come back and they don't feel the need to do that anymore because (laughs) It's almost like you get. It's almost. It turns the like just your con the back of your conscience is like okay I'm not supposed to be doing this and it turns it into like visions and entities you actually see when you're yeah. under this state like yeah and people see themselves on their deathbed and <laughs> and yeah. it seems so real and they wake they come back to from it and they they just already had that experience it's like oh i don't want that to happen and now i'm totally clean type thing and it's it's quite magical it's it's hard to explain too because a lot of people uh who have documented themselves going through these procedures too they almost say it's unexplainable but this is how i'm gonna put it out and Mm. they'll tell you bits and pieces of the things they've seen in that state the the people because i read the spirit the spirit molecule the book we were discussing it Mm -hmm. um and they did uh the experiments in medical facilities with obviously fully trained doctors and stuff and i think if that's something that you really want to do then you're going to want people on hand who actually know what happened you know what to how to help you if a shit hits the fan you know? oh yeah yeah uh but but there's they're doing um a number of different uh experiments with substance uh substances i think psilocybin uh yes from yeah. uh magic mushrooms yeah uh i think they're doing it with uh, mdma as well as well as uh, I think they've done experiments previously on, on DMT and LSD mm-hmm. um, to see whether they can cure certain addictions and also for things like uh, palliative care end of life care where people are going to die and um, they engage on these trips almost to cut, confront their mortality and come to terms with the fact that you know they're not going to be around much longer yeah i actually uh I, that's funny that you said that i i just recently read an article too and it was about the study of some cancer patients uh mm. taking mushrooms and getting like a, a medical dose of psilocybin they're in a safe place in a hospital or whatever and yeah. they did it for research and 
it turned them to be like at first they were terrified of what's going to happen passing on and then they just came to from it and it's almost became like the ultimate anti-depression and they're like okay i'm this is part of life we're all gonna go one day and yeah yeah it kind of made them realize that they've come to terms with their mortality and the fact that most people live their daily lives without thinking about that and these Mm. people have to confront it because it's very very real to them and those substances seem to from what i've read seem to help those people which I think a lot of it comes back to the that there was about 20, 30 years, from what I understand, from what I've read, where people uh, in the medical um, community were not doing experiments because there were huge ethical issues which arose from the 50s and 60s because there were a lot of... Uh, very cowboy kind of experiments done by large institutions particularly in the states and so that all got thrown out and they were saying no you can't do that but it's gradually coming back and they are doing medical testing you know bona fide medical testing on um, the effects of you know people in palliative care people in in certain sort of uh, a certain phase of their addiction and stuff and it seems a lot of the data seems to be positive so it's very interesting yeah yeah um and we were discussing how that relates to and overlaps with um sleep paralysis because it's all really what you're talking about is altered states of consciousness it's just how you get there yeah whether you do it through drugs whether it happens unintentionally yeah yeah you know sleep paralysis and um it takes you a while to figure out what's going on or like read into it and stuff or whether it's through hypnosis or meditation or something like that i guess it's just the the parts of your brain the 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 hardware that needs waking up in some way and it's just the method that you do to go about it that's my understanding of what i've read but i think it's fascinating Mm -hmm, yeah just not brave enough to do any of it (laughs) (laughs) no that's pretty cool have you ever uh tried like a psilocybin like a mushroom or anything no 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 i've never i've never done it yeah Um, um it's tough to explain uh i've done a handful of doses like mm. i've probably every couple years of my life or not my whole life but like since i was a teenager like i do it have this crazy experience and then i feel like i don't need to do it again and then maybe like four years down the road somebody else has the mushrooms like yeah i'll go to that place again type of thing but it's really tough to explain but it also it when you're in that state it feels like there's a different layer to the world mm. that you don't feel in your normal conscious mm. and it's it's from researching that too like it kind of like dug me into like reading about meditation and stuff like that like people are trying to find this one state and it's almost like mushroom or dmt trip is like a shortcut to get to that place where some people have gone to naturally which i find like the most interesting about it and i don't know if it's just like your your brain pumping certain chemicals at a certain rate or what's going on with that but um I mean, I think people want some kind of connection, don't they? They Mm -hmm. want some kind of... Nowadays, when you're working and you're earning money, and if you have enough money or you've got your credit card, you can buy something. It's all very easy. But I think a lot of people... It seems that this popularity of these substances seems to be linked to the fact that we're 
hope that there's some kind of higher connection yeah and uh, I was listening to Russell Brand talking to Joe Rogan the other day to, uh, regarding uh, his heroin addiction and he was saying that the reason he thinks he was addicted to heroin and he did all these other drugs first and then he got addicted to heroin and crack was because he felt like he was missing something in his life you know and that mm. drug was filling that gap yeah and he was he, he said something along the lines of is this life because it doesn't really feel like it you know it feels like a letdown what you know the life that most people are leading there's that missing layer mm-hmm. and I guess to some extent that that's maybe that that's what what it is I yeah. suppose it really uh, the, the basis of the first interview was why Sasha's made her life into travel and I guess you know she said she feels alive which I suppose is to do with you know connectedness and getting a different perspective mm-hmm. and experience dis- dissatisfaction with your mundane everyday experience your everyday job where you are a useful cog and you know yeah, it's like you say clock not in, feeling clock out. alive by doing the thing you've been taught to do through school yeah. you have to be ambitious you have to you know Drive. get a job go for yeah. promotions just be yeah. part of this chain yeah. and when you get there you're like this is not what I imagined it would be all you're really, I need something all you're really doing is being enslaved by yeah. the need to have certain things to appear to be in the social class that you're in yeah and then you need to work to do those things yeah and, the, and it be, just becomes a spiral where you know you buy that car or whatever and you have to pay that amount of money a month and if you don't go to work and be a good be a good drone you're fucked basically yeah, and it's, it's also like it's almost been embedded in our heads like through that system that if you don't do this you're not successful like yeah, yeah. you Who need you? to have yeah. the yeah. wife the kids the house yeah. the dog the white fence <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and the job and then yeah. The full-on dream. Yeah. Apparently. But Apparently it's a dream. Yeah, yeah, but people like... Some people wake up from it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we break the matrix. <laughs> Start travel blogging, doing much. <laughs> Not always connected, but... But it's... There is more to what people tell us we need to do. And, yeah. Um, I think that people are gradually waking up to the fact that they you only have a limited amount of time to live mm-hmm. and you're really going to spend 30 40 years of your life doing the same old shit all the time yeah and and at the end of it what do you really have to show for it and i think that people doing all these different methods as you, as i said before it's kind of different routes to the top of the same mountain people trying to connect with some hidden part of themselves that they feel is uh, completely other than the mundane part of their life that yeah. is just you know uh, in line with all of these things that we've been sold and taught to believe our whole lives um but the the good the good workers and the drones are the ones that say to you what are you doing why are you doing this because it's in their vested interest to keep doing what they're doing because they're the next one in line for the promotion or whatever it is and you're being weird and trying to break the trend or you know but sort of buck the system however we want to yeah, put it yeah. by yeah. doing something completely different this convo actually uh, took me back to something too where uh I was uh, I was in a college course I wasn't too happy with. Uh, mm. I took creative advertising, which isn't you being creative at all. I took it to be <laughs> my to like make my family happy. It's but I also I'm like oh I can make money and be creative, but really you're kind of being put into a box and yeah. And uh, 
I was living out more this way, just doing that. And I went home, see some old friends, and my buddy had a little party. Mm. He had some mushrooms, and it was good friends I've known since I was like fucking like five years old, kindergarten. So I hear like when you're on psychedelics, like mm. the usually like people have bad trips when they're uncomfortable but i was like around people i loved like so deep deeply than i even could even understand and uh, i had this experience with them where we went super deep that night and i remember waking up the next day and um i used to like feel like i suffered from like a lot of like anxiety issues or whatever mm-hmm. and it was more of thinking oh it kind of goes back to the schooling oh what do my parents think about this or what do this group of people think about me here or here and i remember i woke up the next day and i wasn't like high anymore but it was like the downcome like almost my brain reflecting of all the emotions i went through from being on that heavy dose of psilocybin mm. and I was sitting on my, or just laying on my buddy's couches, all by myself, just smiling, and I felt like, oh, like my anxiety just got smashed. Of like, what do people think about you? Mm-hmm. And there was like a voice saying, "You should really go towards like things that you love, like creatively, and like just like." Uh, I also like wasn't too open with like my friends and stuff and family even like being like hey I I love you guys type of thing it's like and it almost was like during this come down it was like piecing this puzzle of like these are the real things that matter in life and what's really funny it's uh I uh I posted a, f- a Facebook status and I, I didn't say I just did got blasted on mushrooms <laughs> <laughs> but but at the time I just wrote something like what I felt like mattered in life and like like numbers or nothing and it's it's a I, I don't I, re- I wish I remember how I worded it but it was like something like all that really matters is like you in your uh, your your family and friends or something like that yeah and this thing at the time of my life got the most likes it's ever had in my life and my aunt like people who would probably be like oh like so against drugs were like oh my god this is the most beautiful thing i have ever read just like under it and blah 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 and i'm laughing all afternoon i'm like i was so fucked up when i wrote this but it made like so much sense and it almost goes back to like what we were talking about like the person on their deathbed like taking a dose of mushrooms and realizing oh like it just like wipes that depression off of you or people going to Peru and taking ayahuasca and like curing them from a heroin addiction or whatever there's something more powerful to it yeah and I wish I knew exactly what it was so I can explain it to you and that there's it's cool because like science is trying to jump on it but even they can't even fully explain what Mm. goes on it almost whether it's just the back of your conscience getting louder Mm. Or a different entity coming in and like telling you these like important things. Like, yeah, it's really interesting to read up about because there's so many people who have these theories, but they really don't know exactly what that is that's bringing all this positivity and curing people around it. But, mm. 
uh, yeah. I mean, we're talking about the the end of life, but also I, I would like to go to sort of discuss the when you're at the beginning of your life, not so much as a baby, but like when you've passed through the school system and you become an adult and you want to decide what to do with your life. And I don't know about you, but when I was a younger man, uh, you you go th- or, or I went through this kind of turbulent period where you kind of try and figure out what is it I'm going to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to com- completely throw a left field, what happens when all the robots get so good that the main jobs are <laughs> taken up by the robots? Yeah, what are you yeah. going to do then? And then I think it's it's going to come down to the creativity side of things. You you were talking to a guy in Amsterdam, weren't you, about creativity, and he was discussing the importance of you know how important it's going to be in the next few years. Well, yeah, I mean, I. Um... It was a guy I interviewed for Colgate's Amsterdam. He's called Ajij Bakas. He's a quite well-known trend watcher. Oh, okay. And um, he just said a really interesting thing to me that stuck, which is that, you know, people talk about creative class nowadays and people doing creative things with their lives and creative startups and those sorts of things. But he said people don't realise the role that the current creative class are going to play in society Mm -hmm. in terms of world issues so you know we talk about the terrorism threat and all of these things going on and he said you know at the moment they're applying themselves to new technologies and the latest smartphone things you can do but actually they're going to be of key importance to to the future of you know of the world actually yeah they're the ones who are going to shake it up and yeah. like maybe for the better you know it's and that's you know as people see those sorts of things nowadays as being like the fun extra things of life you know the the cool new app you can get on your smartphone but actually he said these people are the future because they're the, they're thinking about you know what's next what are the world's issues that we're going to solve and mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. world issues are maybe going to get more serious i don't know but they're the key actually so yeah that's yeah so interesting <laughs> yeah. it's all very deep isn't it yeah i love it though <laughs> this might be one of the deepest episodes but it's actually like it's cool because it's it's from the heart and like mm. these topics are very close to me even though like i don't broadcast it on the show but i always thought about like having somebody in here who's been to like peru and done that trip and everything and i was googling and trying to find somebody in toronto who's like and there's like some toronto shaman but it looked like a hoax and i'm like i I don't know if this is right and and it i want to mention like we're having like the deepest conversation ever and then in the bar like our lovely sponsor the pacific junction hotel there's just like backstreet boys playing and girls screaming and which is total opposite of what's going on yeah i guess that's kind of that's kind of it really isn't it you know you've got everyone drinking to forget the fact that they're going off to work again yeah yeah we're sitting here talking about what does it all really mean (laughs) (laughs) why 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 are we going to work tomorrow yeah Yeah. um i mean things have you know things have to be done but I, i think it's the it's the gradual chipping away of your individuality just to make you something that fits into the machine overall, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of my... Those are my thoughts. Yeah, and around, like, this and uh, 
I always mention like the video work I do, which is like freelance video work, and I do okay with that. But like half the time, like that's not like my full time gig at all. Right. Like um, I have little like backup hustles, which are non creative at all, and stuff mm. like that. Where mm. I feel like sometimes I'm on the show, and I since it's a show about creativity, like people are like will ask me, "Oh, what do you do for a living?" And I talk about those things, but. I feel like also very close to the people who were also in the cog of the machine because uh, yeah. I'm going there tomorrow, you know? Yeah. But there, you got to like realize there's more to that. And yeah. I feel like doing this other uh, creativity stuff like just disconnects me from the bullshit that happens in yeah. there where it's more like I, I'm doing this to survive in the society that has been built around me to pay my rent and my yeah. phone bill and yeah. shit like that yeah but like as I'm there I'm just I feel like I'm an actor mm. like I'm just okay I'm gonna go through the motions and then it's like I go home at five and then I edit one of these episodes yeah. I like hang out with people I love and then I'll go there in the morning again yeah. and then yeah I don't know it's just I it's, that whole system seems like just a facade and I feel like there's layers of other people who get too engulfed into that yeah and I mean like we need like industrial stuff to work and like we electricity yeah exactly now if it wasn't for industry with all this equipment that's recording you and me and yeah Sasha yeah and definitely but there's also like layers to little like bullshit where people's minds get too much into the machine and uh yeah. like whether you're a manager or you're working under somebody and they they act like whatever this job is mundane job is is life mm. and they yes. think about it when they leave there and yeah. i don't know it's just that's always something that's been the biggest disconnect for me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that everyone could be like John Lennon or something. Like mm -hmm. that. I'm just saying that the, the element that is being lost is uh, your expression of yourself, your thoughts and your imagination and, and some kind of attempt to connect with... Uh, something that's maybe a bit greater than yourself or something that's uh, something that doesn't exist yet you're trying to create something mm -hmm. and and kind of my my philosophy on life is that you the only currency we really have is time because you you can get everything else back but you can't get time back once it's there it's gone once you've once you've had your time it's gone you can earn enough money to buy a car and you can you can get everything else but you can't get time back and so if you if you end up being 80 years old and you think what the fuck did i do with my life mm -hmm. i turned up to work and i went home and that was it yeah that's uh, that's those my <laughs> no no i feel the same way too <laughs> that's why i kind of like gasped there it's just yeah. it's something that kind of repeats in my head too mm. and it's something I think about so often that I think it drives me to do these extra creative stuff. Yeah. Sasha, do you feel the same with like wanting to go out and go on these crazy excursions like our last episode where you're going to South Africa and you're like beside a lion or whatever? You're just. No, I mean, everything you've been saying in the last five minutes, I've been nodding my head vigorously because yeah. I've been part of that world where people's lives are the the mundane kind of 
cog part of the economy and then yeah. you're an office battery chicken yeah and it's <laughs> it's it's just not life you know people are so removed from actual life that it mm. really is so disappointing when you're part of that mm-hmm. when you know there's more to it so um i completely agree and i just think um it's people like us who are really pushing to you have to pay your bills but you want to do something more and you see the bigger picture that actually it's it's kind of gonna shape the next things that that come out yeah yeah it's important to do that so yeah and you know i was talking about leipzig earlier the city in germany that's um it's the crazy the boom. Berlin, you know? Did we record that when you were explaining it? I or think so. okay, because yeah, I remember yeah. like yeah, we had like a little yeah. break, and then I was like, okay, I need to record again. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure we were recording that. But yeah. Do you know the thing that really I interviewed a few people over there about their lives? You know, an artist and architect, and the cost of living in Leipzig is is so low. And you know, you, you look at the cost of living in London and Toronto. And you almost, if you're even if you're a creative person, you have to do these jobs in the cog, your cog in the machine, to be able to pay your rent and to do these things. Mm-hmm. In Leipzig, the cost of living is so low that people have this creative space and this artistic freedom to actually shape the future. Almost. Yeah, yeah. And I think it really shows that the play, the geographical location you're living in, actually shapes the artistic possibilities or not yeah mm. because if you didn't have your bill your rent to pay and your bills to pay you would have other opportunities wouldn't you mm-hmm. yeah anyone so um and know, it also and, makes and then you're you, part yeah. of this economy because you know you let you want to live in this place so you, you have to pay your bills so you have to do this and that and the other mm. and it actually affects how creative you can be yeah it's true <laughs> we're getting too deep no 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 i love it, I love it. and you i i just like pause once in a while because i'm just like yeah my brain is just like it's totally yeah. agreeing but yeah. yeah it's it's cool too and it's i find like sometimes it's a taboo to people to talk about this stuff yeah. too yeah like they're gonna get in trouble yeah and uh there's a guy i work with in my day job and he's amazing artists like draw anything like you can see your face and just take a marker and just draw it right away and uh we were i was talking about having him on and i was joking around because like we make like the funniest jokes about work which would actually like might get us in a lot of trouble in the cog you know (laughs) and and i'm like yeah we should go on and just talk about work he's just like no no but it's just it's like this game we're playing like me and people like him and all you're doing is discussing it it's not you know you're not actively it's not like you're trying to start any kind of revolution or something like that Mm. You're, you're you're trying to we're in a very turbulent time in our history in terms of um, all over the world that there are these great disparities between the things that people have in all the different countries Mm -hmm. and I think the result is that there's a lot of conflict yeah Um, and if if you sit there and discuss these ideas people uh people kind of in the sort of the mainstream way of just doing their job and stuff and not really discussing this they get very uh upset about it because it it disrupts 
and it, their it agenda completely goes yeah. against their way of living they bought into it they've spent their only currency which is time they've put their life into yeah it goes back to what you're saying <laughs> like yeah time. they're invested in this and so if you start saying well i'm not so sure this is the way that life should be or i'm going to do this or i'm going to do that to express myself you know people will be like why are you doing that what's the point Mm-hmm. And that's simply because that goes against, as you say, the agenda, what they're, you know, what they're uh, invested in. Yeah. Um, but then again, as I say, it's it's merely words. You're just discussing it at this stage. You're just, um, you know, you're doing this. Mm-hmm. Sasha's doing her writing. Yeah. And it's just people trying to um, kind of slightly break the mould and find more meaning in life than that was, which was given to them at school and as soon as they left school and they went into a job. Yeah, yeah something more to it than all of that yeah Sasha when you go like on these excursions and write about it do you have in mind like you'd like to inspire people to kind of live a bit more and like kind of get out of the system and definitely I mean I think um, the books we write Cole goes is very much for people who are I mean, either doing it already or also breaking out of the current mould. And I think it also, we're looking to that trend where people more and more are kind of shirking that day-to-day economy of just getting that stable job and thinking, I want to go out on my own, I want to try my own thing. And, and that's what you see, we call them digital nomads or urban nomads, people who don't that's necessarily cool. <laughs> have to have a geographic location. Yeah, yeah. Because they're trying to start up their own business and they don't necessarily need to be pay- based in their hometown. So, yeah, yeah. So I think our books kind of do cater towards that trend, actually, where, and I think there are a lot of statistics starting to show that people are, less people are going for those more formal jobs and and going more for saying actually can I do something on my own what can I do you know let's try it you know what's what's the worst that can happen these days you know it's cheap and easy to set up your own website you know in terms of previously certain industries you need less startup costs so people are saying well why not try it and I'm definitely involved in this project of writing these books for people who are thinking about those things because I think I think the you know the standard system is not all it's cracked up to yeah be, yeah so. yeah and we'll probably all think like okay like if we think like this there's other people yeah, like that too yeah. who've like experienced through all that stuff as well and but I think it's a natural point for it to happen um, because because simply of technology because for example your post that you made where you got loads and loads of likes yeah wouldn't have been possible would it without facebook exactly or, yeah and so now <clears throat> more and more people have the technical means to digitally project themselves to a place where everybody in the world can see you if you choose to you know if you go on twitter or whatever it might be mm-hmm. people can uh hear your voice yeah uh, I'm not saying that everybody's going to be again John Lennon or they're not going to be sort of they're not going to say incredibly profound things all the time but it allows people to have the ability to to say what they feel yeah the flip side of course is that 
if you've ever gone on a YouTube video and you've looked at the comments, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all the negativity and the flame oh, wars yeah, and yeah. people hating each other and people are cheating. I don't, I don't think the people who comment on YouTube are actually people. <laughs> and I've told this to like some other artists I've worked for who are like actually talented and they'll see like some comments and uh, actually I mentioned when we were out there with Sammy, I actually like film for a battle rap league yeah and so their exchange in the performance is like very like intense and often negative sometimes funny but some of these guys they just think about the work they put in to do it and even though they have this exchange on youtube the people are who are involved they're actually cool with each other after the match they don't yeah. see it but they're hugging each other at the yeah. bar drinking they're like it was a fucking awesome match but then in the comments yeah it's the worst yeah. fucking people ever <laughs> just like saying like but it's also that part of their medium is like attracting those type of people because their yeah. performance is kind of like a negative performance yeah. too yeah you're putting and, someone um, down on you yeah yeah and i find like the majority of people who want to just like lash out and hate on like things will like type in the youtube comments where the people who appreciate it won't even say anything they'll watch the video they'll enjoy it yeah and it's it's not even like like i use the battle rap as like an example because it actually attracts like an angry kid who's like yeah I need to watch this kid all day and say fuck you and blah 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 but there's also like I see like on like uh, like some folk artists I work with and stuff like that is just be like I just song shit and like lots of people are like who've heard it before and like said to me like oh this is it's like one of the most beautiful songs i've ever heard and have not commented under the youtube it's like there's like a certain shitty type of person who just wants to like throw their garbage opinion everywhere where like some people or i feel like majority of people who appreciate something like maybe they'll just look at it smile nod and just go on to like the next thing yeah. or whatever and i think it's a lot easier to be negative than it is to be positive yeah. it's mm-hmm. a lot easier to uh it's it's much harder to expend energy in a constructive way it's one of the reasons why i love the states and i love canada because people are so positive you talk to them there is oh, a bit you of a think cu- so yeah there's a bit of a culture in uh, compared in, to the uk yeah i think so me. oh yeah people yeah. love shooting people down in the uk there's a look at the tabloids there's a whole industry about it they raise them up to a certain level and then they shoot them down oh yeah yeah uh it's <laughs> yeah it, i, it I feel on. like we do that here too but there's like Maybe I'm there's 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 multiple uh, media outlets where some are like super positive and some are just like that like yeah like US has the TMZ where I don't know if you heard of TMZ yeah. but it's like I think it used to be a magazine now it's a website and uh, they have a TV show late at night but it's just paparazzi guys with cameras and they're waiting to get like fucking. Um, Scarlett Johansson as she's like eating a hamburger in like the most unflattering way and then just jump in and start interviewing her and then they wait till they get mad and then they'll just like post like a clickbait thing like oh Scarlett Johansson tries to kill cameraman (laughs) and like just like there's a weird medium out there where they're they're like 
prodding off negativity here as well too but you guys think like in the uk it's like even more so or because i i don't know too much about like your yeah but i think it generally even outside the media i don't know when you go into any shop or any you meet any person in the us or canada there's definitely more of a positive conversation or a positive feeling in the voice like that's cool hi yeah, how no, are you sure. yeah yeah it's, yeah it's definitely more upbeat oh that's inter- that's interesting yeah, to yeah, know yeah. too it's yeah it's a lot easier to destroy something than it is to create it mm-hmm. it takes more time to create something yeah yeah and then and then you ever kick can... somebody's snowman before <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah <laughs> everyone can be a critic can't they yeah. it actually takes real effort to create something that that lasts and that um is different and that I don't know people people always seem to be quite willing in the UK to run things down that's maybe just my impression but Sasha's nodding she seems to agree with me mm-hmm. but um yeah um, but I, I don't know I just think there's definitely a cultural difference as well we mm-hmm. did um we've done we've been very touristy the last two weeks yeah yeah today we did the Toronto uh, sightseeing bus tour yeah. last weekend we actually did the London one oh cool um but even in that they have live tour guides in both of them and it's it's I don't know it's an example but the guy who did the London tour guide was a lot more like downbeat sarcastic kind of you know it's a British way it is yeah it is and the girl today in the city sightseeing she was just so like you could just hear in her voice she could see her most of the time everything was just so amazing you know oh yeah yeah I they're think it might be an age thing stories. too. She was kind of young, yeah, and the other dude was quite t- old. They're but... both telling great stories about each city yeah. in an extremely different way and tone of voice, and I just think that's it's. I don't know that there is a cultural thing there because mm. yeah, it's that's not a British tone to be. So that's interesting in too. Your voice, mm. Even like with uh, a lot of the comedians who come out of like the UK, they always call it like dry humor yeah. <laughs> or whatever, yeah. and it's yeah. very sarcastic yeah. and just, mm. yeah. Yeah, that's just a. I, I think it's a cultural thing. Yeah, I'm fascinated. There's by good it. things in both sides, but mm. in terms of what you hear in the tone of voice. It's mm. And now over here, do you guys feel like there's some people who are like super fake nice type of thing going on, or do you feel more genuine? I think it's always nice when someone approaches you with a nice tone of voice. Okay. Yeah whether you look into it more deeply and think well was that genuine or not I don't know the first impression is always well if someone Mm -hmm. approaches you with a good tone then that's good but I suppose if you do I don't know I guess we're more cynical as Brits as well if you look into it a bit more you would think well that probably wasn't genuine if you really thought about it yeah yeah I still think it's nice regardless you know because Mm -hmm. it sets things off on the right tone yeah yeah we were talking about not being cogs in the machine, and now <laughs> now we're back in you the machine. But that's yeah. we're just a product of our environment. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a work in progress, isn't it? But yeah, definitely. What, what happens when the machines, though, do the majority of the tasks? I said this earlier. What happens? You know, what, what's you know, you've got billions of people on the planet. If the machines are doing the majority of the, the jobs for those for those workers would have done, then what's going to happen? Where are you going to be? What, what are people going to fill their time exactly. with? Exactly. It also 
makes me wonder about currency too because there's going to be left spread through the system that's been built because it's right now it's built like okay you do your job and you get paid yeah and as technology grows it's like less people work they're gonna have to come up with like another thing and i always like this is just my fantasy land i want I want people to like get whatever life currency that they can spend at the store or whatever by doing good deeds and being a good person yeah. and the shitty people just get like they left get behind cause like I know some people they fucking work their ass off and they're getting paid like fucking minimum wage and they're struggling maybe you got a kid but they're like the fucking best person ever and yeah. they deserve like a house or yeah. not like a tiny like little apartment and it's like i i wish like but by there that, was a system that could take care of that but that's like probably beyond like my lifetime if people awaken to but kind of by that logic if you've got all the good people getting ahead and all the bad you know the bad people at the back yeah all the good people are probably going to help out the bad people because that's what they do yeah um yeah yeah, it's very true. I'm not saying it's a perfect system, but no. But that, that's why it's. That's why I guess people are discussing it. Like we're discussing it. It's not. You know. It's. It's. Uh, there's pros and cons to everything. But I think that people, people are trying to figure out a way, aren't they? And mm-hmm. We're in a time where it's uh, very odd, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I feel like there's a lot of confusion. Mm-hmm. In my myself, I'm very confused all the time. Because mm. even when I think about that, and I think about like the money system, and like yeah. we said, the cog system, I'm like, yeah. then what will we do? And I don't yeah. have a set solution to that. That's true. That's true. And also, human beings are inter- inherently tribal. Yeah, they have their tribes, and and that that is how it is. See, humans have their hierarchies. So do animals. We fit into a hierarchy of animals. You know, we're supposedly at the top. Um, how do you break that? That's something that's kind of innate. That's in, ingrained with all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to work. There's a hierarchy, but then, like, say if you're two metalheads and you're talking together as five metalheads in a pub there's going to be a hierarchy of knowledge because everyone wants to talk about the different bands they know and there's always one guy who comes out on yeah, top yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that story is so true <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah people are inherently hierarchical they like to have people in control or they like to want to try and be in control um so how do you how do you fit all those things we've said together and make it workable? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But at least we can talk about it. Yeah, definitely. At least we're in a country where you can talk about I it. I was going to say, if, the damn door if we were in North Korea, like we'd be dead already, like doing a show like this. I can have a machine gun in my mouth. You know? Yeah, yeah. So at least at least we can. At least the most you'll get is someone, at, you'll talk to someone at work who's a bit straight laced and they'll be like, the hell are you talking about (laughs) it's work and money and that's it yeah yeah um but uh i don't i really don't know i I really don't know how it would how it would work particularly with the machines when they start driving our cars and making everything and (laughs) making i feel like i should just be playing uh the terminator 2 theme right now (laughs) (laughs) i I think uh, i didn't have a lot of sleep on the flight and i watched the matrix oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of affected me yeah it's okay (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) 
but oh. yeah, uh, so that was a real, it was a real weird tangent, wasn't it? How did we end up I doing? I fucking love this. Yeah. <laughs> we can end it any way we want, but um, yeah. Again, thank you. <laughs> is there anything else you guys want to say? This is open forum. Like this is much as your show as it is mine right now. All oh, right. Uh, nothing comes to mind but then the way the things are is as soon as you switch that thing off we'll start talking about something else oh yeah yeah 45 minutes down yo the line, we'll be like, if you're listening <laughs> at home right now you missed some like real fucking gold like i'm changed as a person and <laughs> yeah, right. you're probably yeah. not but after that i was like i you've the people who regularly listen to this, when have I ever been like, I need to turn it on again? No, the episodes usually end, and then there's somebody else in the next one. But no, yeah. there's there's double whammy. Double and, whammy, uh, lucky us. But yeah, thank you so much thank for you. doing this. I really yeah. appreciate you guys yeah. doing this yeah. on your anniversary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate your uh, allowing me to, you know, air my unlicensed, uncredited views. No, I, I fucking love it. But you know what? Well, a lot of people think like that and a lot of people don't talk like that and, yeah. and I notice some people who listen to the show they are working a day job and they have these creative ambitions and stuff and stuff like this like kind of helps them out and brings their spirits up and yeah. even like when I was years ago I was doing like this construction gig I hated and I'd always have in my ear like Joe Rogan or yeah. like Mark Marin the comedian yeah. and like just random ass podcasts and Dude. it's kind of cool to hear like that people are living like different ways and yeah. as you're doing like something like maybe you hate <laughs> and you're like okay there's more than this moment right here now and yeah. kind of get you through the day type of thing do you um do you like bill hicks and george carlin are you fans of theirs i i am i, I am. might be yeah yeah i thought you might be both fairly negative but i think yeah i think the reason for that is because they they want humanity to be in a different place and they're frustrated by how it actually is mm -hmm. and so that's what leads to their pessimism and their dark humor yeah and even like a lot of their later specials too it wasn't all comedy it was just sometimes Absolutely, just yeah. like ranting about like life or whatever and instead of a haha -ha, they might get like a clap here and there yeah. or like or even like some other people would be like yo i don't agree with that at all type mm -hmm. of thing but mm -hmm. yeah it's well, it's, cool. i think it's maybe about the sort of as i said before it's very easy to be negative but um one thing I learned with the hypnosis stuff was how you use your language. It's very important. And mm -hmm. if you even say one thing to one person, it might make their day slightly better. Or even like maybe something that Sasha said or something in this yeah. in the course of this interview or these two interviews that might make one person who's listening see things a slightly different way and would improve their life, then that can only be a good thing. And the more people that are doing that, you know, hopefully it drags everybody up rather than everybody down. Yes. I think that's a good note to leave yeah. this on. Cool. Yeah, much love guys. Thank yeah. you again so yeah. much. Thank you. That's Great awesome. Girth Radio.